You are listening to the FCF Leadership Podcast. This podcast has been created to help you connect and achieve your destiny as a leader. For more information, visit our website at fcf.org. Hey, everybody, this is Cookie Brothers with FCF International, my daughter, Whitney Baldwin, and we are excited today because we are in Olathe, Kansas at LifePoint Church with Pastor Patrick Norris. We're so excited to be with you. Man, I'm so excited to be here with you guys. Patrick and I go way back. Yeah. Um, we met at Rama 1985. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, I can't believe it was that long ago. That is 30 It'll be 34 Three. years uh-huh, for us this year. Yeah. That's amazing. That's, <laughs> amazing. That's the year my brother was born. That's the reason. Yeah. I oh, my yeah. goodness. That's amazing. And um, we uh, knew each other, had a friendship, and then kind of disconnected. Mm-hmm. And then we're reconnected in like the last, what, year and a half yeah. through mutual friends, Michael and Sherry Howe, who all our listeners know our dear friends to Pastor Fred, myself, but also to the FCF family because of their ministry gift and what they operate in. And we're excited about that. And so every time Michael and Sherry and Fred and I get together, we always end up talking about something that we as an organization are having a lot of conversation about right now. And that is soul health. Oh wow. And almost every time we get together and talk about it, Michael goes, you got to call Patrick Norris. <laughs> You've got to connect. Man. He really is. He's I like, I, and you know how Michael is. I'm serious. Y'all nobody's <laughs> talked more straight to me with more love than Patrick Norris. I Michael, love that man. man. I love him. He's love so him. Texan. So, yes, yes, he is. <laughs> but anyway, um, recently we did a podcast recording with Blaine Bartell. Oh, really? And we did like, uh, we, we, it turned into be three episodes. Yeah. So it, it's, it, it was incredible. I wanted him to keep going. We did. We end. didn't, he, if he didn't have another appointment, we would have kept going. He was shocked when he was like, what we've been going over two hours. That's amazing. It was amazing. Anyway, just talking about his process, yes. his crisis situation, the process the Lord took him through yep. for his recovery and, um, and how he is intentional intentional about maintaining that place of uh, soul health. And I know that's such a phrase to say, but it's so important part of our makeup and especially as leaders and, and especially in the climate of our country today. um, There's so much more stress on leaders. There's so much more expectation and judgment against leaders and, there's not enough conversation. There's not enough understanding of what it takes for us to be in a healthier place with our souls. And so the things that Michael shared with me, that he experienced with you, things you shared with him, uh, meant so much to him and made a difference. And even some frustrations I dealt with, I was on the road with going back from Michael and Sherry's house. I'd gone down and spent two days with them and I was driving back home. It's like 11 o'clock at night by myself. And I'm on the phone with Sherry going, I forgot to tell you this and telling her a situation I was dealing with. And, and she goes, okay, I'm going to take you to some Patrick Norris. <laughs> this is awesome. It was so great. And she truly helped me process through how I was going to manage a conversation I needed to have wow. with someone based on what she'd learned from you. That's and I, th- I, it was then and there that I said, I have to connect with Patrick. And um, everybody in the FCF family knows what we went through in um, 
dealing with some of the issues at end of life with Fred's mother and the uh, responsibilities that were on us, the pressures that were on us, uh, the fears, the hurts, everything that we went through in that process. And so, because I talked very openly about that process. And, um, but one of the things after she went to heaven and we dealt with a lot of emotional fallout from that, from other sources and other situations, Fred and I sat down and processed through it together. You know, where do we go from here? What, how do we manage our emotions from this situation? Because this is how we've allowed it to affect us up to this point. And so now where do we draw those boundaries? Where do we draw those lines moving forward? And we had some deep conversations about it. And it honestly started with just morning prayer and Bible reading just to get our shift of focus yes. away from the absolute hellacious moments we dealt with on a day-to-day basis. And so, but going through that process, I remember saying to Fred, if we don't see some change, let's set a standard. Let's say if we don't see some real change in our emotional health, in what we, the steps we've committed to take for ourselves, let's set a timeline. If we're not seeing the results we want to see, let's agree that we're going to call Patrick Norris. (laughs) That's awesome. And I have a note. I have a note. I pulled it up the other day. I was looking for something in my notes that I wanted to use in one of my pot or uh, one of my videos, cookies corner videos. And I'm looking through these notes and I see something where I wrote it down when Fred and I made our decision. That is awesome. Isn't that cool? That is. So you've been on our radar for a while, buddy. That makes my heart happy. It does. (laughs) So that's one of the reasons we wanted to talk to you because our emphasis right now is on the health of a leader. And we felt like at the beginning of the year, everybody's going to be talking about body health, you know? Yeah. And, but really body health is only sustainable through soul health and soul health is only sustainable through spirit health. Yes. Yes. Most of us as leaders have a basic understanding of how to maintain spiritual health. Yeah. But very few have an understanding about how to maintain soul health. Yeah. I'm learning it right now. I'll be the first one to tell you, I eat for comfort. I've got the body to prove it. I do and too. I'm looking I at I'm looking at it. that and addressing that in some ways, not mm-hmm. in all the ways I should. But I'm serious. I'm so aware of it. Which and so that's the first step it's is to know step. what you're doing and you to bet. know what you can do. But I wanted to hear from you, your steps, your process, what took you on the path? We don't have to go into every aspect of it if you don't want to, but we still, I think it would help everybody to know, start with your roots, your foundation and the path the Lord took you on to really focus on the balance of this. Yeah. Well, first, thank you for uh, such a great introduction. That that (laughs) makes my heart happy. I am just delighted inside for uh, the reconnection with you guys. We are of course, too. Michael and Sherry have bragged on you for <laughs> months and months and months and months. And they are two of our very favorite people yeah. on the planet, their whole family. Mm-hmm. They, uh, they are family. Sometimes Michael and I will call each other in the first five minutes is nothing. It's just one liner after another that oh, yeah. has nothing to do yeah, yeah. with anything of value. That is and Michael. It's all in character. So I, uh, I just, I really, I, I adore those guys. Um, I do, if I can, let me just start by saying that when we talk about uh, the spirit of a person, mm-hmm. the soul of a person, and the body of a person, you know, of course, we are tripartite beings. We have three parts. When we talk about being spiritual, 
It's fascinating to me that if you were to say so-and-so is spiritual and, oh man, they are the greatest Christian you ever met. Mm. If you ever hear those kind of phrases and then you ask, tell me the characteristics, they're all emotional health characteristics. Mm. So isn't it fascinating that we measure people's spirituality by their emotional health? Give me an example of that. Yeah. Um, You know, when you're around so-and-so, they are the happiest people. Mm. They're the greatest Christian you've ever met. Mm. What is that? That's joy. That's somebody who's regulated or reprocessed emotion Mm. so that they're living out of a well of energy in life. Uh, Man, they're just so peaceful. Mm. Another characteristic that has an emotional expression to it. Mm -hmm. Or somebody who, um, man, it just seems like they don't ever get ruffled. Mm -hmm. So what we're looking at now is their ability to regulate anger, mm-hmm. uh, what they do when they don't feel they have control. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, if you look at the contrast of the negative, if they're always happy, then they're not given to depression. Mm-hmm. So what is it that brought them to that place? Um, you know, they are the most forgiving people you ever met. Well, what, let's dig into what you mean when you say forgiving. Mm-hmm. It's always going to have these tentacles of emotions around yes. it and how they regulate in relationships. Mm-hmm. And so I do find it really fascinating mm-hmm. that the most spiritual people are the people that are emotionally healthy. Mm-hmm. And yet within Christianity, and it's across all denominations, there is a fear that if I give too much Uh, care to emotions, I'm somehow taking authority away from the spiritual root system. And what I'm simply suggesting is that maybe when the Bible says that the word of God divides asunder the soul and the spirit, and the only thing that can divide it is the word, maybe they weren't supposed to be divided except for analyzing of who you are. I love that. So it is, it's an interesting approach to mental health. Oh my gosh, I love that. I I just want to (laughs) marinate that for a little bit. That's amazing. Okay, so you started in as a Word of Faith traveling minister. Yes. Yes. And your hunger took you to another level. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when I was, I grew up listening to teaching tapes of Brother Hagen, mm-hmm. Brother Copeland. When I say grew up, um, my grandparents had gone to some uh, Amy Simple McPherson meetings and so on. So we had drawers uh-huh. filled with cassette tapes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I am about ninth grade, I turned my heart back to Jesus and began to explore my own relationship. Mm-hmm. In uh, that time period, I am digesting the word like there is nothing else in life. And I'm listening to cassette tapes nonstop. So Brother Hagen uh, was, I consider him my spiritual father. Mm-hmm. And Brother Copeland, Kenneth Copeland, is also a spiritual father just through his teaching that impacted me at such a deep level. Right. So these guys will forever be embedded. And I, I'm just beyond grateful. There's things that I, I've studied uh, various backgrounds of theology. I've studied different streams and denominations and why they got to where they got to. And there's uh, just great thinkers within Christianity, but they often, uh, I would discover, they didn't teach the things I got from Brother Hagen or even from Brother Copeland. Mm -hmm. So I'm grateful to them. So in those years, I would lay in bed dreaming of preaching around the world. Mm 
and I got the privilege of doing that. And so for 13 years, I guess, spoke all around the world in Bible colleges and uh, different churches and did seminars, conferences, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And in fact, some of the places I preached at, I had, I thought it was a daydream when I was in high school because I would be laying on my bed, listening to teaching, the anointing of that teaching gift from the person who was teaching or preaching that would come on me and I would just sit there and daydream it. And then, you know, within those 13 years, I would find myself in venues mm -hmm. preaching and it was the exact same place I thought I'd daydreamed on. Wow. And so I, uh, I'm very grateful <laughs> for what God has allowed me to experience and to know scripturally. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, you know, our whole lives are about becoming like Christ in our human form. Yeah. And we never achieve that on this side of heaven. Mm -hmm. I, I need that to sink in. We are like Christ as a spirit. We're born in his image. We're born again. We're new creatures in Christ. But the Bible never emphasizes flawlessness. That's right. It only emphasizes growth. Mm -hmm. And so we will forever grow. So what that means is, is that whatever the pain points, whatever the brokenness, whatever has set you back, you're going to literally spend the rest of your life growing and exploring the beauty and the wonder of God in his redemption. Wow. And what that means then is, is that you have an option when you are looking at pain. Mm -hmm. You have an option to grow or an option just to sit where you are. But unfortunately, you never really sit where you are. You never can right. be in neutral. You will end up uh, having an inflammation. It just gets momentum and gets worse. So for me, I have yeah. always, I've always had my radar out mm -hmm. for ways to think, ways to see things. And uh, I'm never content with just falling into a box of this is what they taught, this is what they said, and this is whoever and wherever. I'm always looking for, is there another way to look at that? Or is there a way to not compromise the integrity of scripture, but maybe to see it in a different hue, mm -hmm. in a different dimension, in a different uh, a decibel or a sound. I, I'm looking for ways that maybe tradition has locked me down on. Mm -hmm. And so that, that ultimately has taken me on a path to discover why I do what I do, why I do what I do. And I want to know why I do what I do. Mm -hmm. And I have to say that the models of teaching that I got within my Christian background, while there was so much amazing stuff that has changed my life, there were still big pockets that weren't being transformed. Mm. And, uh, and those pockets, uh, required of me to, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to dig deeper. I'm going to have to get out of the box that mm -hmm. the tradition has. Maybe there's a way to, to see things. So my journey is that, uh, I end up having, a, a ministerial group that, uh, I had spent intensive leadership training around and they believe that pastors should have a therapist in their life. And I'd never been open to that. Mm -hmm. So the leader of the organization had had a meltdown in the early 90s, and he had gone to a therapist. So I reached out to his secretary and said, can I go see, you know, his therapist? And I did. And that was the beginning of, of some credible therapy, something that could actually make a difference in my life. 
that then caused me to begin read books and listen, you know, ultimately to podcast mm -hmm. and to grow in areas of thinking where science, and here when we talk about science, it's where there were practical applications of things in the natural order that if they were done re repeatedly, you would begin to see outcomes and you would mm -hmm. begin to see recovery. So it, I mean, honestly, I'm embedded deeply within the addiction world today and recovery uh, in, in terms of being a professional. And there are people who are being recovered and they didn't memorize one scripture. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, you can't just ignore that. That's right. So there are natural laws that can govern even the recovery of somebody from the most ardent addictions known to humanity. Mm -hmm. Now, ultimately, without question, I believe that the fundamental source of all uh, breakdown in life is it begins in a spiritual form in a seed. So I'm not diminishing that, right. but I do want to say that if they figured out the science behind some things, it would be irresponsible as a pastor to not look at what are those sequences, what are the patterns, what are the, the principles that they are engaging that cause somebody to be able to recover when so many Christians are hearing the word every week and yeah. they are in a ditch and can't get out. Yeah. Oh, I love that. So if you, was your process generalized to all Christians or was it, were there real issues in your own life that you we're gaping. Oh, yeah. I've never met anybody that doesn't have gaping issues. Mm -hmm. It's true. And if I did meet them and they don't have gaping issues, it's you because they've hit it. them. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. It's true. I, in fact, today, like Blaine Bartell, Blaine is a, a close friend. And, uh, you know, as he was in his time of, of flaming out, I watched it. I, mm -hmm. I watched it from a distance. I even would reach out to him periodically. But, uh, I so wanted him to win in recovery uh -huh. absolutely, because it represented hope for every human being. Mm -hmm. right. And uh, he, Blaine was at our church recently at a, a big men's weekend. And when I introduced him, I said, one of the reasons I, I trust Blaine so much is because he's been in recovery. And there's nobody you can trust quite like people who've been in recovery. It's true. And it's because they're not wearing masks anymore. Right. right. They're not trying to present some version of themselves that they know isn't really true. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, for me, uh, there are a lot of emotional uh, issues that I have been able to mask. And there's nothing like in... in uh, I can easily be misunderstood on what I'm about to say, but when you are taught the message of faith, which to me is it, it's a fundamental basis of, of how you live life, right. but when you're taught the message of faith, it is easy then to begin to live in a narcissistic presentation of yourself where you know this isn't true of the real me. But in the name of religion and faith and God, I'm going to make everybody see this right, version of me that right. isn't really true of me. Yeah. Thank you. And that so, needed to be said. And so, <laughs> and so, and that doesn't refute the true principles right. of living by faith. That's right. But I knew as I'm guest speaking around the world for 13 years, I knew that there are things in me that if I'm put in wrong situations, um, I'm open to flame outs. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm, I'm not managing all my emotions well. And, uh, there are, 
there had been things really from my birth all the way through that had never been processed, mm. had never been looked at, had never been confronted with truth. And from that, I developed, uh, and really it's epigenetic, it's something that was before I was even born, that uh, I was predisposed to an anxious attachment mm. uh, style, which is an attachment theory. And when we talk attachment theory, we're really talking about the way the brain developed its neural pathways. Mm -hmm. And so we're not just talking about some kind of ethereal, you know, weird psycho right. craziness, which I don't believe in psycho craziness, but that's what people think. <laughs> right. And what we're talking about is neuroscience. And today we have evidence through mm -hmm. scanning and other kinds of research to see what happens in the brain. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and because of that, the anxiety would be pretty significant. And I didn't know how to manage that. And when you have anxiety and things are out of control, um, it then lends itself to anger because anger is a desire to control. Mm -hmm. And then when you can't uh, manage that, you end up le leaning into depression. So I would have these ebb and flows of yeah. depression. Yeah. And so, you know, eating mm -hmm. would be a thing. I love mm -hmm. food. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I can be very verbally critical. Mm -hmm. Um, part of that All of comes our giftings. <laughs> yeah. part of part of the criticism, mm -hmm. um, at least where the emotion of the criticism comes from, gotcha. not the analyzing, but the emotional component of that criticism <laughs> is, <laughs> is, is something that is from my wounds. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, yeah, I have spent, uh, a lot of time working on me and still in process of working on me and plan to, till I go to heaven. Amen. And even then, the word says that it's going to take ages for him to real, reveal the fullness of Come himself. On. So we're going to be learning there, too. Come on. Come so there's, there's a, we, that's one of our core values at FCF is continuous improvement. I love it. There is no time that we should not be progressively learning and growing I and moving it. forward. Ever. Because if that's his plan for us up there, you bet it's his plan for us here. Come right? on. Come on. So. I'm, I'm awesome. a big believer in that one. Okay, so yep. that was your process. That was your heart, your own issues, understanding what's happening in the people around you. Yeah. So then you begin to do an in-depth study, and God opens supernatural doors for you yeah. to get into that. Yeah. Tell a little bit about that, because I love that. Yeah, it was, it was uh, amazing. You know, I had been reading books. I had been pursuing understanding of some things, mm -hmm. and... Uh, there was the uh, an event in San Antonio where about 30 people would be together, and they were famous names. Mm -hmm. And so I, uh, one of them was somebody that I thought, I wonder if that's the reason that I've got this big prompting that I need to be there. And I told my wife, Tina, I said, honey, I'm supposed to go to San, San Antonio to this meeting. And I said, you know, I don't, I don't have, we are not in a budget season where this is a smart decision, but I've got to go. I've got to go. And so as soon as I made the decision, one week later, I get a phone call from a church in the area down there and said, hey, would you come preach for me? Mm -hmm. So that paid for the trip. Thank you, I get there and uh, I'm, you know, the whole time scanning the room, wondering who I'm supposed to, you know, why God has me there and uh, end up meeting this psychologist who has a, a chain of clinics in the uh, Baltimore area. And he and I became quick friends. Mm -hmm. And uh, from that friendship, I invited him immediately to come speak at our church. Uh, we did a, an evening event and invited a bunch of therapists to come from the local area. Mm -hmm. 
and had a meet and greet. So I met some of the therapists. They then uh, invited me to this big event that was going to take place in the area. So I, I went to that. Now, you had already been in therapy from this oh, yeah. ministers. So you were already familiar with uh, the process of therapy. And yes, I actually had gone to more done, than one. I'd okay. gone to the one that I had begun with mm-hmm. and then had a couple of others that mm-hmm. were closer to home mm-hmm. uh, that I had gone. So I had actually had uh, experiences with mm-hmm. uh, three, four, four different therapists. Mm-hmm. And, you know, their style, mm-hmm. just the the whole approach to mm-hmm. uh, mental health that they would 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 have. And so when I'm when I'm, you know, in this environment where a bunch of therapists, mm-hmm. all as professionals and colleagues and there's some pastors peppered in there. Um, I met another guy who's a therapist and he and I became quick friends. And then uh, there was this the International Institute of Trauma and Addiction Professionals which was founded by Dr. Patrick Carnes, who is the pioneer of modern-day sexual addiction recovery. Hmm. Um, He has the organization, has developed it, and, you know, hundreds, and now we're moving into the thousands of of therapists who've been trained by him. He was going to have a, a certification program that was going to land here in Kansas City, and they were going to do the modules here, which cuts down on travel and, and hotel and food and all that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so they wanted to see if I uh, would be interested in being a part of that, and I said, sure. So I sent in the application, and we hit a little bit of static. And um, then finally, they not only gave me uh, the approval to be in the program, to be certified as a sexual addiction professional, but also uh, they ended up offsetting a lot of my cost. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I'm in this program that uh, we are digging deep into human behavior mm-hmm. and understanding the neuroscience behind it, uh, it's, uh, it's this intensive where I have, you know, psychotherapists on either side of me. I've got, uh, people who have given their lives to helping people recover in various depths of, you know, the human breakdown. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that experience for me, I was sitting there like a kid in a candy store. It was amazing. They would ask me, they'd be like, you know, are you getting anything out of this? Are you getting lost? Cause it's a master's you know, degree program. Some of them said it was harder than their master's program. But for me, I'm listening to it, and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, this is what Paul meant when he said, fill in the scriptural blank. Right. This is what Jesus meant, and it's not in the traditional box that I had put it in right. or had been taught my whole life. Yes. So that's where all of a sudden um, truth begins to take a whole different right. uh, face to it. Mm-hmm. And now it's not just truth like you know, you have your subjective opinion, you have your subjective, and I've got my subject. Now it's like, wait, 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 we've got, we've got uh, neuroscience. We've got these credible research pieces, these scans. We've got various things that show us exactly what's happening in somebody. Mm-hmm. And now here's the biblical approach on how to handle that. I love awesome. And it, it just blew my, blew my awesome. heart up. You have been listening to the FCF Leadership Podcast, where our focus is to help you achieve your destiny as a leader. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, visit our website at fcf.org.